I have a serious question for you. Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm fucking with you. Um, no, but seriously, do you know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> do you know your sexual health status? If you don't, then it might be time to get tested. Thanks to Everlywell home testing kits, you can take a test discreetly in the comfort of your own home. It's really easy. You simply order your kit, ship back your samples, and the results are sent directly to your email within a few days. Or you could have it sent to your cell phone, um, or you can log into your Everlywell account and also look at your results online. They have a large variety of tests to choose from. You can even sign up for a monthly membership and get one test per month for less than $15. When you use my referral link, which will be in the show notes, you get an extra 25% off of your first test kit. This is my preferred method of testing and it ends up um, costing me less than going to a lab or doctor's office. Again, that's 25% off when you use my referral link, which will be in the show notes. Hey lovers, thank you for joining me again for another episode of Poly in Real Life, a polyamory and sex podcast. In today's episode, we are really going to dive deep into mental illness and mental health, relationships, non-monogamy, and how all of that intertwines. I have a guest today, her name's Elle, um, and she shared everything with us. Um... I'm really grateful at how open she was and comfortable in sharing her journey with mental illness, her struggles, how she got better, and how she navigates non-monogamy and relationships in general um, while also managing her mental illnesses and, you know, her journey towards healing and becoming healthier. Uh, So this is going to be a really good episode. I briefly touch base on... Uh, some things that I've struggled with, but I really wanted her to showcase her story. Um, So I will talk a little bit more about my own journey in an Instagram post um, because I wanted this to be more about her uh, since she was the guest. But I hope you find this helpful, valuable. I hope if anything that you feel less alone if you're struggling with mental illness or if you know somebody who is. Um, So let's just go ahead and get right into it. today with Elle. We connected recently on Instagram and we've been talking about women's empowerment, sexuality, polyamory, all that good stuff. But one thing that has really stood out um, to me about your page is that you post a lot about mental health. And I thought it would be really awesome to talk about mental health and how that can affect dating and also kind of incorporate that whole topic into polyamory as well, if we can uh, try to do that. Because I know there's some challenges that can come up with dating, mental health, polyamory in and of itself has its own challenges. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want you, if, if you're comfortable, you can introduce yourself, kind of give us a little bit of um, 
background about yourself. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about your poly journey um, and your journey with mental health and how you got into learning more about it. And now to the point where you're uh, really sharing a lot of information about mental health. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my mental health journey started first. Um, I was, I had my I had my first panic attack when I was, I would say, five years old. Um, I then started having psychotic symptoms when I was eight. Um, And, oh, God, it basically just spiraled downwards from there. It was, um, I have, I basically been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder, um, bipolar disorder, um, social anxiety, general anxiety, um god I always forget there's so many of them Um, it is it is um I guess I guess it's interesting now because I don't really associate with a lot of them now I'm quite far on in my Mm -hmm. sort of mental health healing journey um so yeah so it started off quite young I was a very troubled kid and teenager and it wasn't until I was 18 that I began to sort help and it wasn't until I would say like 22 23 that I really noticed like a significant impact. Um, like I, I'd become a lot more healed in myself. And that was through, um, I started medication when I was 18 um, and I started therapy when I was 20, maybe 21, 22, I can't remember. Um, so yeah, um, and so that's sort of my mental health side of it. My sort of journey with non-monogamy and polyamory has sort of been a more recent thing. So I would say for me in the past, um, dating has been exceptionally hard, exceptionally hard. Having all of these mental health problems, not really knowing how to deal with them. And some of them have got like really like crazy labels. Like when you hear like borderline personality mm. disorder, like it's like, oh what the fuck um I hope I can swear (laughs) oh yes yes go ahead (laughs) brilliant um yeah so um for me it started um I came out of a relationship with my ex-girlfriend who was um actually my first real relationship and she was she actually suffered with borderline as well and two people with borderline that is just complete and utter fucking chaos and I think I came out of that relationship going I want to find the complete opposite to what I had. And the complete opposite was non-monogamy. It was um, freedom. It was open communication. It was honesty. It was um, realizing that, um, you know, your one person isn't going to be your all and your everything. Um, And um, I met my girlfriend who I'm with now and we've been together, I think it'll be three years in... January no February um and we started off it was it's quite interesting actually because it started off where we'd like we were quite early on dating and we would go out on nights out and we'd like kiss other people and it was hot it was hot it was like yeah my girlfriend's making out and it's hot and then it sort of slowly sort of escalated and then we sort of like I'd had three sons before and my girlfriend hadn't and she was like actually that's something I'd be really interested to try um I feel really comfortable with you um so we just went for it and I think it just sort of went from there and then you know and inevitably we ended up reading the ethical uh, sorry the ethical slot yeah which just went from like 
okay, we can only have uh, threesomes together with us both together. Uh, and then it went from like, oh my God, yeah, like poly- polyamory like makes total sense. Like, why yes. aren't we doing this? Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of my um, journeys with, with both, really. Wow, I love your poly journey. Um, I That's one of my favorite things to talk about with people when I first meet them is how they started in their journey. And everybody's story is different obviously with some of very similar like underlining themes, but everyone's story is like so unique to them and their relationship and it's so different. I love, I've never heard two stories that have been exactly the same. So I love that. Um, Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, Um, so I wanna go back to talking about your mental health journey um, and then we can kind of bridge the two together. so you said your your diagnosis was pretty early on. So this is something you've been dealing with for most of your life. Yeah, um, well, it's interesting because um, um, some of them, most of the things I was diagnosed with, I was actually 18, but I've okay. been having symptoms since I was really young. Okay. Um, it's um, um, something that happened with me is that I... Um, became very insulated I'm, I'm one of nine children so um okay. I sort of got lost in uh, a big group of children and um, I was sort of the quiet one and I would go spend a lot of time in my bedroom mm. um so for me it was um not that my symptoms were ignored well they were from my dad but <laughs> um but it's not that they were necessarily ignored but it was that you know my parents uh didn't have the capacity to the the care that I would have needed you know my mom has a lot of mental health problems herself okay and wouldn't have been able to care for me in the way that I needed that makes a lot of sense so where do you fall within your siblings are you kind of in the middle are you the oldest youngest I am the third eldest. So I've got two older brothers who are, one is one year older than me and one is two years older than me. And then the rest of them are younger. So between me, no, between the eldest and the youngest, there's 16 years. So there's 14 years between me and the youngest. Yeah, so it's like proper, you know, it was almost like living in a commune, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. all raising, like the the older kids were raising the younger kids. So we also have that added responsibility of yes. you no know, I couldn't sit there and sort of wallow in you know self-pity or whatever really I had to you know help my help my mom you know mm, I bet that's that's a tough place to be in where you know you you know you have something within yourself that obviously needs to be addressed and you have all these needs but at the same time you kind of have to suppress them to take care of the younger siblings, but also to take care of your parents. So that's a, a massive responsibility. Yeah. Um, do you think that's why it took so long to get the help that you needed? Yeah, I mean, they say, don't they, that you can't heal in the place that you were broken. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was 18, I um, went off to university in London um, and I eventually, I think I got really ill and I actually had to drop out in the end um, but it was one of my housemates was like, you need to go to a hospital. Mm-hmm. You need to be seen. like, you are not right. You are not behaving like a normal person, basically. Um, yeah. So when you say you, you were old, were, were you at the point where you were like physically sick? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. at that point, so it's a bit complicated because 
all of my conditions, they sort of end up merging into just one big ball of symptoms. So at that point, I was really, really struggling with the bipolar and I was having like manic episodes that were lasting, say, like a month. And I was going mental. I was blowing through my because in the UK, you get um, like a student loan and it's about a grand, one, one thousand something. And I was just absolutely fucking ramming through this Um, and, you know, ended up at one point, like just like eating off, like eating beans. Like, uh, Mm. I don't know if you have baked beans over there. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, just sort of like eating beans. And and then there were points where, you know, I'd be going out every night and I'd be acting like a complete twat. And then um, there were times when I just would not leave my bed. I could not get out of bed. And, you know, it was only until those big significant mood swings and someone else to be able to say actually that's not normal behavior because my family sort of knew that I was like completely bonkers like crazy yes. like fun crazy. they knew I was wild and you know they sort of expected this behavior from me um but um you know it's, it's only when you get sort of an outsider going like yeah that that's not normal behavior that it's like oh actually yeah maybe not okay that's interesting um so how do you find that like therapy? Do you feel like the therapy, the medication, and even just having the diagnosis, do you find that that has been helpful? Yeah, definitely. Um, so being able to, um, I think, you know, with any illness, any chronic illness, you know, if you're wandering around with back pain and you have no idea why you're getting the back pain and, you know, the doctor's saying there's something wrong with you, there's something wrong with you, like at some point you're gonna be like but I'm feeling this pain and then it's not until they go actually you know you've got an issue with your spine or something that you can actually go there's almost like a bit of a sigh of of relief so Mm. I sort of had that with the bipolar at first so I was diagnosed with that first and the sort of the anxieties that I was having and stuff and but there still felt like there was something wrong there was still so something with borderline personality disorder is that it's um it's actually technically classed as brain disorder um, it's so the um, logical part of my brain is like underactive and the emotional mm. part is overactive so they have what is called switching which is like uh, for example like we could be talking now and you could I don't know say something like oh you look you know you look like you put on weight or something and I could switch and I could be like oh well fuck you I'm not fat mm. blah, blah 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 but what that is is that's a, that's um, a psychological um, wound that has not been healed so my brain can't cope with it in that moment and switches and then goes into like emotional overdrive um, so for me in that moment what I would do what I've obviously learned along the way is that for me um, if I do switch give me 10 minutes let me cool off let that emotional side of my brain calm down so that the logical brain can kick in so that you know I can say to you oh, actually, that really hurt my feelings. Or I can say, actually, do you know what? I'm really sorry. That was a complete overreaction. That was just my brain, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, Do you find that it took you a long time to kind of figure out how to work with that? Like you, obviously now you're aware that these outbursts are the switching and now you're probably more aware of um, like your triggers uh, did yeah. it take you a while or is it like, is that something you learn in therapy or how did you yeah, discover so, that? 
I mean, so when I first was diagnosed with borderline, which was when I was roughly about 21, 22, um, I was absolutely heartbroken because my girlfriend had just been diagnosed with this. And it is like, mm. I've watched so many films and documentaries about serial killers that have borderline personality disorder. I sit now and I'm like, but I'm not a serial killer. I'm really oh sensitive. Gosh. I'm really nice. Um, and, you know, I, 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 my heart sunk and I was just like, that's it. I'm a horrible person. Um, but eventually, you know, I've been in therapy for about four four years now and um, actually um, being able to talk it through with someone um, has been amazing because um, another thing with borderline is that you have no sense of self. So I was running around for most of my life not knowing who I was or what I, you know, I didn't, you know, someone was asked me something about like my personality. Like, so what, what are your, what do you like to do for fun? I'll be like, uh, um, um, and my brain would go blank and that's such a simple question like right. everyone's got a core sense of self and that is something that people with borderline do not have and that's what therapy has done for me I mean the medication puts the moods more regular so mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm more stable so my moods aren't so intense or crazy now they're you know I, I can still switch or whatever but it's not like screaming and shouting over nothing it's um Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? <laughs> Sorry. Um, you were saying about medication is what kind of levels out the mood um, and therapy is what has helped you kind of manage. Yes. So therapy has helped me um, create, not create, um, learn my, who I really am. And that has been like, I could not recommend therapy enough. Like I know a lot of people are like, you know, oh, I don't like therapy or, or I don't like medication. Well, like, I just feel like I've seen, I've seen quite a few therapists, but the one I've got now is just like fucking top notch. And I see her through a charity. Wow, that's like, awesome. And this woman, yeah, she is like immense. And she knows everything about me. And she just hits the nail on the head every fucking time. Like she just gets me. And that is something that, you know, I'd, I'd never really had before. Um, you know she did she made me figure out who I really was and and now I'm really happy with myself because I know who I am and I know that I'm not a bad person even if I do switch or even if I have a, a day where I'm distressed or I'm upset or I'm manic or I'm depressed like I know I'm a good person and I know these are just symptoms exactly right like you're not allowing the symptoms to you're not letting that be your identity like yeah. you, you are yeah. you first, you're a person living with these symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm really happy that you were able to find that. Um, I know for, for me personally, and, and I appreciate you sharing so much um, and also bringing to light some of these other mental illnesses that I feel like aren't really talked about enough, like borderline um, bipolar. I think we see so much about depression and anxiety. And yes, so many people do suffer from those, but there, there's this whole other, you know, spectrum of other mental illnesses. And, and I like that you shared that you've suffered from, you know, mul multiple things. And um, so I think maybe that's, I like bringing light to that as well, because I, I don't know if people realize that, you know, if you have bipolar, that doesn't mean that you can't also have something else. Um, yeah. So it brings up other challenges to, to manage multiple things. Um, 
so yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, I know like, I, I'm really happy to hear that you had a good experience with therapy because I remember um, I was diagnosed with major depression at 16, I believe, um, after having like a me complete mental breakdown ending up in the hospital. Um, and at the time, like I went to a therapist, but it always felt more like a venting session where I would just tell her, yeah, you know, my issues and how I was feeling, but I was never really given um, like exercises. I wasn't, I, I wasn't stimulated to think differently and to kind of create that sense of identity and, you know, give my, myself the power to be able to change my thinking. And, you know, in addition to medication, and then that was another thing, um, I was supposed to be on medication, but it wasn't administered properly by my parent. And it just created all these problems. And then eventually I just kind of lived with it. Um, and recently I thought it was coming back because with major depression, it's it's like a, a cyclic, cyclical um, mental illness where it just kind of comes in waves and it'll go away and then come back. But most recently I was struggling over, I would say over the last year or so. And um, I was just like, why is this not going away? And for the longest time I was refusing medication and therapy. Um, and then I realized and I finally hit like a, a really low moment where I had started having like these really dark thoughts. And I, I almost felt like I did again when I was 17, when I was 16, 17. And I was like, I refused to end up, you know, back in the hospital again. And um, so I went to the doctor, except this time it was um, something called PMDD. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's, um, it's premenstrual dysphormic disorder. Um, so yeah. it's actually not considered like an illness, mental illness of the brain. It's like a hormonal illness. Um, but the symptoms are very similar to bipolar. Because uh, at one point I thought I had bipolar. Um, but it was just my body was having a bad reaction to the hormonal fluctuations from my cycle. So once I would hit like ovulation time, that's when I would get kind of manic. And it's like, I would be up to like 4am just like, you know, online or like writing down things, coming up with ideas. And then after, you know, that ended, as soon as my hormones dropped, um, it's like PMS, but like a thousand times worse. So then I would go into like this really deep, dark depression, just like crying, like uncontrollably. Um, I don't know, it got, it got pretty bad. So when I went, um, my options were to do medication uh, for depression or to try a different birth control to keep my hormones kind of level so that they don't, you know, kind of drop up and down and cause this terrible reaction. Um, so I, I switched my birth control and like, I've been on it for almost two months and it has made like the world of difference. Like even my partner's like, your mood is so much better. Like I no longer have like the outburst or like the manic or the really low moment. Um, not to say that the major depression can't ever come back or the anxiety can't come back, but I'm just really happy that I finally allowed myself to seek out treatment, you know, instead of continuing to live with it. Um, but anyway, where I was going with this, 
I want to step into talking about how your mental illnesses have affected your relationships um, with like friends, uh, but specifically romantic relationships. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, just to say, I totally get what you mean with the, like obviously not in the same way, but like just before my period, mm. I really am a psycho bitch. I oh, cannot yeah. describe like, and it's probably very similar, like, you know, the hormones and my brain are just like, nope, nope. So yeah, no, I totally get it. And it really does. And people just think, oh yeah, you're PMSing bitch. But it's like, yeah. yes, I'm fucking PMSing. And it really fucking hurts. I'm really fucking angry about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so my, <laughs> so my um, romantic relationships, I mean, it's quite funny actually, because um, I would say um, I've had two sort of, major relationships um I have like severe sort of daddy issues so I'm I'm pansexual but I just okay. avoid men like the plague <laughs> like I fuck them and I'll you know I'd fuck them and I probably would date them if they were like really nice but like <laughs> I've got a type of like really horrible men so I just think nah nah I'm just not gonna do that um but I would say um so in regards to I would say friendships I would say that I used to struggle really really badly because I I, I didn't realize that I was a dick but because of my illness I was I was acting and behaving in ways which weren't what a good relationship should be and I guess you know both of like my parents are divorced mm. and my, my dad's recently gone through like a horrible divorce again so I haven't yeah. really been surrounded by healthy like romantic relationships so like my first real relationship I had with my ex um I was sort of just going with whatever she said like if she told me jump in front of a bus I'd probably have done it oh wow um, so um I would say, um, so from that perspective, before being healed, it was a fucking nightmare, an absolute fucking nightmare. Um, because you're in a relationship, you have to um, think about someone else. And not that I wasn't an empathetic person, but when I'm in that moment, I physically at that point, I can't think about anyone else because I'm so wrapped up in my own shit. Mm -hmm. um which is which is not healthy for a relationship you need to be able to give the other person space even if you're really struggling you have to be able to you know even if some days it's you know 80% them looking after you and 20% you looking after them or even if it's 95% them looking after you and 5% you holding the space for them um but you know we're not taught at school how to have healthy relationships that's just something that they just sort of gloss over right. you know um so for me it really was about when I got with um my girlfriend now it was about relearning how to do relationships mm. because I thought right that last relationship was a fucking disaster um you know how can I better myself and better my relationships and the quality of my life in general so um I would say yeah I would say um that mental health can really 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 have a big impact really can but um learning to um hold space and to really do the work on yourself and have your partner make sure that they also do that work on themselves as well 
um, because I used to think that a relationship you had to merge into one person and you mm. had to be like soulmates and it had to be like this rock and you two against the world. Whereas in reality, you know, you're individual people. And yes, like you form a very special bond and connection, um, which can't be replicated, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not everything. And you are your whole own person. You know, I go to therapy, you know, it's actually been quite nice. You know, it's nice to have time apart from your partner. And that is something that we don't, we take for granted in relationships. You know, we, we, we think I need to spend as much time as possible with my partner. I need to, you know, see them as like this, 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 and this. And, and in reality, actually, it can be really nice just to be like, do you know what? Yeah, you go on a date, babe, have oh, your yes. fun. I'm going to have my fun. I'm gonna have a bubble bath. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna watch that soap that you fucking hate, and it's gonna be great. And 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 that has been a real fucking eye opener for me. Being able to honestly take time for myself instead of having to devote all of my time to another person, if that makes sense. Yes, yes, I definitely agree with that. Um, so how how would you say like how do you go about bringing up mental illness with new partners or like how did you bring that up with your um girlfriend now um is that something well, that you suggest you do right away or so did- for me um what I actually did and I mean this seemed to work for my girlfriend um but I didn't I said straight away that I did have mental health problems I didn't say the label because that can mm-hmm. throw people off because if I say hi I'm Elle it's our first day I've got borderline I if someone said that to me I'd run a fucking mile I'd be like fuck this I'm not doing that yeah. and I just fucking leave um but you know being able to be like you know I do have mental health problems but I'm in therapy and I um I I'm take medication um and I would say that I do pretty well sometimes I have good times I have good I have bad times I wouldn't say it on a first date okay. I would say when you um um so with my girlfriend if when we were first together obviously we were in very much like honeymoon phase Mm -hmm. and so I wasn't really sort of switching or I wasn't really I guess it's sort of a bit like mania when you're in that stage anyway Mm -hmm. so you know you you sort of your hormones are all over the place and whatever but um I guess when it sort of comes up so when I would switch um I would say, oh, you know, I just sort of had a moment there, but I am, I'm sorry that I behaved like that. I didn't mean it like that. Um, And being able to, yeah, so slowly, 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 my girlfriend sort of learned who I was Mm -hmm. without me having to sort of be like, bam, bipolar, bam, borderline, bam, this, that, and the other. It was, it was instead, it was more sort of natural. It was like, you can see how I behave and how I act. I have already said that I have mental health problems. I haven't been specific, but you know that there, there is a reason why I'm behaving mm-hmm. um, in these specific ways. And then eventually what I did is I said to her, um, I sent her a link to, um, I said, I said, look, um, before we get into a serious relationship, um, please do your research, look into, I did eventually obviously say I've got all these conditions, but I also sent her a link to a page. So there's a page, there's a, um, 
like a thing that's written and it's called the gift inside borderline and looking into the positive side of mental health problems so this this page was saying about how people with these conditions have more empathy and mm -hmm. they are like um they are they have the ability to um sense people's emotions more dramatically and they can feel things more passionately and that actually it's not all bad you know because yeah you see the negative sides of this but now actually i tell you what i have i have felt some of the best and worst emotions in the world like i tell you what there was one time i was about 17 i had a psychotic break and i swear to god i believed that i was merlin <laughs> merlin you know the wizards I fucking believed it. And I tell you what, I went on a holiday to um, a place called Carmarthen in South Wales um, in the UK. And uh, this this place was supposed to be the birthplace of Merlin in the okay. legends. And to me, that was a sign that I was in the right place at the right time. And the place where we were staying was called um, um, Kidethly Kid, Kid, Kid or something, but it was, it was spelled kids Ellie. So I thought okay. that's another fucking sign. Yeah. And then I started watching a TV program on it, just appeared. And I thought, right, that's it. That's another sign. And I tell you what, that is the best psychotic break I have ever fucking had. I have never felt so connected to the world oh, wow. and nature than I ever have at that point. And it was amazing. So it's not all bad. I mean, you know what I mean? Like some people think psychosis and think, oh my God, it's a, it's a man running around with a knife and he's screaming about voices in his head. And it's not all like that. Sometimes it is, but not always. And that was, that's what I like to call a lovely example of a nice psychotic break. That was nice. I enjoyed that. I was sad <laughs> when it came to an end, but it was lots of fun. It didn't hurt me or anyone else. Right. I like that. I like that you can see the positive in it, you know, and I love what you said about kind of taking your time and not dumping ever dumping it all on the first date, because I agree. I think that that could be scary for somebody, um, especially if they have no idea what some of those things are um, that could really make somebody run away, I think. But I, I think I agree with you as far as when to disclose that information. Um, I think before, when you realize that this might turn into a serious relationship, I think before moving forward, I think it's important to have that talk. And you did the, the right thing by providing her with information and allowing her to learn about it and kind of giving her that space to get to know that part of you. Um, so yeah, I really like that. I, I think that's that's great. Um, how do you ask for support from her then? Like after she researched everything and like, how do you feel like she can provide the support that you need? I mean, definitely, but you, you can't have your partner as your only support network. Right. So I've got friends that I've been friends with for like 10 odd years. And, you know, sometimes if, if, my girlfriend's not in the right headspace to support me if she's having her own bad time mm -hmm. I've got other people that I can turn to that I can you know ring up my best friend and have a bitch about my life whatever it is um so yeah about having different support systems and not expecting my girlfriend to look after me wholeheartedly it's not all on mm -hmm. her shoulders it's on you know the same with my friends if they ring me up and their partner's being a dick or 
you know, they can't talk to their partner in that moment, they'll come and talk to me. And that's fine because it's give and take in every yeah. relationship, friends, family, relationships, it's all the same. Yeah, you're right. Um, and I think that was something that I failed to kind of understand early on. Um, my partner and I met when we were both really young. Like, I think I met him, it had been about a year since I had had that breakdown. And um, at the time, I believed that I just needed this one person to almost save me and to be my everything, my end all be all. And um, so after we got together, I, I almost like lost my friends and I didn't really have this like outside network of support. So it was, it almost became like a very codependent relationship because he was my only support. And then when he wasn't able to be there for me because he had his own life and his friends and his family, then I almost looked, took it as abandonment, even though yeah. it wasn't. Um, so that's where, like, as I've gone through this process of understanding how my mental illness works, how I work in relationships in general, um, and how important it really is to have that support system outside of your romantic relationships, whether it be family or friends or coworkers or, you know, somebody you can go to because you can't just rely on one person. Um, and I, I think too, like, every single person will bring a different perspective. They'll bring a different type of support. And I really like that experiencing different types of support, like different people can give me different advice. So I love that everybody brings something different to the table. And then I can kind of put all of those things together. And it's amazing. It's so much better than relying on just one person, you know? Um, but yeah, um, did you want to add anything to that about support or, um, or anything? Um, um, no, I think, I think it's really important to ask for help. Um, obviously, when your partner's not in the right headspace, understandably, they're probably not the person to ask, but do reach out, whether it's to a friend, family, your partner, to a mental health professional, mm -hmm. um, do reach out because like I, I promise everyone that is listening to this, there is help for whatever is wrong with you, whatever you're struggling with, there is help. Like if I can get over it and I thought I was fucking Merlin, <laughs> like you get over it. <laughs> Yes, I love that. <laughs> so I want to move on and kind of talk about um, kind of like that, all of what we just talked about, but um, in regards to polyamory and then starting new relationships. So do you find that having other partners has, has that triggered any, any of your symptoms or has it helped you now that you have, you know, having more partners? Like how has your experience been? I mean, I guess for me, um, so my girlfriend, she also suffers, she's got um, OCD. So she okay. also suffers with mental health problems and she um, com she has a sort of, not the same background, but she has sort of a similar, she's got like daddy issues, she's got. Mm. Um, so we, obviously we did start off monogamous, even though we were sort of like hoeing it together. You know? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I guess we were sort of, um, 
we both have a lot of like internalized monogamy and it's not so much it's just the culture that we've both been raised in and I'm you know if I you know sometimes I feel bad when I go on a date because I'm like oh my god you know am I going to upset her is this going to upset her and like no it's not like you know we we all have our moments where we sit there and we'll get jealous and that's fine and you know it's okay to feel jealousy and that's what I was really because I remember one time, it was very early on, Ash went on a date and we went on a date at the same time. And my date was the most boring person I think I've ever oh, been no. on a date. <laughs> dull, dull, was sat there talking to me about Brexit. And I thought, oh, God. <laughs> so, um, you know, I came back and I was sort of like, oh, that was shit. And she came back and she had an amazing time. This person was, you know, she had a right laugh with them. And I remember being like, oh, uh, that's not uh, I didn't have a go at her but I was sort of you know walking around in the strop I was having a bit of a mood and um you know I think it was important actually for me because obviously I do have ongoing therapy I do have like a a, a really good soundboard apart from my friends I've got this therapist and you know she's able to also bounce things off me and you know some some parts I can put down to my mental health some things that I can put down to um you know um normal human emotions um but I would say all in all it has made me feel like I can breathe for the first time in a relationship I've, I've always felt this like claustrophobia mm. I actually am claustrophobic so like it, it you know what I mean I feel like I can't yeah. breathe person smothering me and it was the first time that I'd not felt smothered you know this person would let me go out and there was no worry about that I was going to cheat on them or they were going to cheat on me it was like I know what they're doing they're probably going to have sex that's fine they can come home and tell me all about it and then we'll have sex because it's hot (laughs) great I love it (laughs) yeah so you know what I mean it's sort of um it changed the way that I think about romantic relationships that you know and and at first it was that sort of like oh am I not sexually good enough Mm. but then it's like actually if they go away and they get and they learn something new from this sexual person say this person is amazing in bed like come back and bring that to our relationship because if there's something amazing they're doing I want that to me like (laughs) what do you mean like yeah it's it's these things that I never would have thought of before whereas you know in my past relationships it's been very much like um oh um you know like I have to be the best sex you've ever had otherwise my self-esteem is in the toilet instead of it being like actually they've taught you something new you've learned something and now you're gonna do it to me woohoo I'm in for a fucking party tonight (laughs) and also as well it like learning about compersion Mm, as something that has really changed my life like being able to realize that I can be happy for my my partner even if it's not necessarily my happiness like if something makes them happy and they're doing it you know even if it's like you know my girlfriend found out she's got a new hobby and I can't stand it but I'm there like woohoo go you um you know it, it it it's the same thing it's the same you know someone that is going to love you and care for you you know I'm not a very affectionate person I'm not I've got all sorts of issues with that Um, and sometimes I'm like you know what just go out go and get cuddled the shit out of um, you know 
and and it's good because I can't you can't give someone everything you can't take every single box you know everyone talks about soulmates and I actually do believe in soulmates but I don't believe in soulmates in the sense of like there's one person out there right I think there's a lot of people and I don't think it's just romantic people like I would I would call my best friends my soulmates yes me too like, I call family members my soulmates because they bring something to my life even if we're not having sex that is that I, w- I won't find anywhere else you know yeah I love that I I agree I I used to you know obviously that monogamy conditioning you know i I was in it for a long time and I did believe that there was one person. And then I think what can happen is it's like, you know, if this person doesn't check one box, then that's it. You know, like you, you've given up on love and there's no such thing as soulmates or like that person can't be your soulmate because they don't check every single box. And yeah, that's, I personally think that's just a load of shit, but yeah, I agree with you. I think like I would definitely consider my my best friend like we say we're soul sisters like I consider her one of my soulmates and there's been people that have come in into my life who I believe are soulmates you know because they add so much value to my life and we just connect on a really deep level and um yeah I definitely agree agree with with the whole soulmate and non-monogamy thing um so how how do you guys manage like because you mentioned your girlfriend has OCD um do you find that like it was kind of the same thing for you like she did the same for you as you did for her I know um with you saying how you kind of waited to tell her and then informed her like did you have a similar process in understanding her condition um so actually it was completely different so we'd been together quite a while and um she was really struggling with um you know there was things where she would check the house like six or seven times check all the lights and things like that and she didn't know that she had it and and I feel like because that is actually something that I've I don't have it now but I was diagnosed with it as a child like I used to have it um you know I couldn't stay in certain rooms for a certain amount of time like I was raised Catholic Mm. so like I had a real thing about God and heaven and hell and I was scared I was going to go to hell and you know there was something in my head that was telling me you know if I'm in the bathroom for more than 10 seconds that like something bad was going to happen um which is stupid but you can't you know I was you, you can't logic that out when there's something in your head telling you um so I sort of saw the symptoms and I sort of thought, mm. and I didn't obviously go up to her and go, you've got OCD, you're crazy. I sort of went, have you ever considered mm. that these sort of behaviours aren't really, you know, like what everyone else does? Is That's not something that's, you know, really, um, you know, have you ever seen me do it? And she was like, no. And I said, you know, it might be worth just going to a doctor and just checking out. It might be nothing. Right. I might be wrong. But um, from my experience, you know, I've had this before, um, I would probably get it checked out and obviously she'd go to a doctor and um, the doctor said, yeah, you do. So I think it was more like I was sort of, I would say sort of further on in my healing journey than her. But I feel like the fact that I have in a higher sort of healing place that she sort of 
come up and almost come up above me in some in some ways mm-hmm. um so yeah it wasn't actually the same way and I think you know for relationships and people that she meets now she will do it in a sort of similar way to the way I sort of did it with her yeah but you know you can't know unless um you know sometimes you just think oh that's just me being me and I've had so many people say that and sometimes it's not you being right sometimes it's normal (laughs) right and like you said you know it presenting it in that way I think makes them feel less like wait you think I'm crazy kind of thing you know what I mean like saying you might want to look into it like just to kind of just to see you know it could be something else could be nothing um so I'm sure that's I'm sure she's really appreciative of that and that's almost how um how you were saying earlier that your was it your roommate kind of pointed out to you that your behavior wasn't quite normal at first. So, um, and that that reminds me of um, a, a session that I had with uh, my therapist once, and we were talking about how we define love and what love is. And she gave us this definition of um, what love is. And she said, it's having your partner's best interest or your whoever it is, having their best interest at heart and in mind. And I think, if you really love somebody and you do have their best interests at heart and you notice certain behavioral patterns that might be questionable, um, I think you should definitely present it, you know, because that's, that's a way to show your partner love is to be like, Hey, you know, um, and just check in and, but do it in a compassionate way, do it in a loving and kind way. Like, like you did just kind of ask and and obviously you know every everybody's different they'll receive it differently but I think at some point you know once you figure out how they receive it best you can really be able to have success with that and and moving forward so I'm really happy that you're at a a point where you you can have a successful relationship I think it can be really scary sometimes when you first get a diagnosis and feeling like, oh my God, I can't have a normal life. I'm not going to be able to have normal relationships, but just hearing your story and everything that you've shared so far, um, I think is proof that, you know, you, it's okay one to get help. It's okay to be on medication. It's okay to do therapy. It's okay to talk about it with your partner. Um, and that you certainly can have successful relationships and live a pretty normal life. Um, once you, reach out, get the help you need and and all of that and surround yourself with supportive, loving people. And to take it even a step further, the fact that you are succeeding at non-monogamy on top of all of that, I think is pretty amazing. So I think that just goes to show that, you know, that like there's such a stigma around getting help, I think, and, and mental illness and relationships. And, and it's not true. It's, you can have successful relationships you can have a regular life just like everybody else you know like those conditions do not define who you are at at the core you know yeah definitely I mean you know they are just symptoms that you know I I, when I first got diagnosed with these things I I was bipolar and I was borderline whereas Mm. now it's just sort of like I'm me and sometimes I'm like this and sometimes I'm like that and and it's not 
yeah it really isn't the end of the world you know I can still have manic episodes I can still have this that and the other but I'm so self-aware now that before I it would just get full-blown whereas now I can sort of get say like hyper manic mm-hmm. and be like something not right here I can you know or my girlfriend will be able to say there's something not quite right with your behavior and you know not for me to like ah, fuck that I'm fine yeah. um, being able to go actually yeah no I can see that myself and and it's this this being self-aware and and you know I, I do genuinely believe it if I can fucking do it anyone can do it so yeah. I it just you know it really brings me hope for well anyone else that's suffering because you know if, if I can go not get over these mental health problems I will always have them um but if I can manage to live a normal life with them and be able to hold multiple relationships anyone can fucking do yes. it anyone like I agree. You know yeah you're doing amazing like it seems like you're you've gotten to that level where you're pretty much they're no like your conditions are no longer controlling you. you you know like you have the power to you know you're aware and you have the power to manage manage it pretty well it seems um do you have anything to add I think we covered a lot already um we're almost I think we're like over 40 45 minutes but do you have any piece of advice that you would like to give to people um struggling with mental illness or how that has to how that plays into relationships or non-monogamy like what would be one piece of advice that you would give someone yes so um obviously as I said before do reach out um I know in the UK at the minute um we have the NHS the National Health Service and it is being run into the into the ground and the mental health service is pretty shit um, but I would say to anyone, I'm sure it's the same in the US, um, I would reach out to charities um, if you can't get, um, I know you have to pay for mm-hmm. healthcare over there, um, I would reach out to charities. Um, I would also say that um, if you are considering a non-monogamous lifestyle, um, do make sure you get your mental health in check first. Um, but I would say that with any like relationship, even if you're monogamous, like you can't, it's very, very difficult to hold long-term relationships or even short-term relationships when you're suffering inside. You know, you have to be healed yourself before you can give love and time and space for someone else. So I would say reach out, make sure you've got a good support network. Um, And even if people don't get, you know, like I've got people in my life who don't really understand why I'm non-monogamous, but they love me and they... Like they love me and my girlfriend and they think I can imagine my life without either of you two. Um, so even if there are people who are like, you know, oh, you've got mental health problems, I'm not interested. Or, oh, you know, I'm monogamous, um, I'm not interested. Like, that's okay. These people aren't supposed to be in your life and these people don't have the capacity to hold that space for mm-hmm. you. So you're not crazy. I mean, you might be crazy. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> We're all a little bit crazy, I think. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, some of us more than others, me in particular. Um, But um, yeah, so that's what that's that would be my advice, I would say. That's great. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. I that was perfect. Um, Well, I don't have anything else to add. And do you feel complete with everything that you've said? 
Yeah, this has been wonderful. I've loved Perfect. It. Yeah, you've been lovely. I'm so happy that we were able to make this work. Um, can you tell us where where we can find you um, on social media, Instagram, or any other site that we can find you on? Um, so at the minute, I'm only on Instagram. Um, I'm just not really that cool. Um, um, and you can follow me, my, what's it called? Hash, no, not hashtag, a uh, handle. Yeah, yes, your yeah. handle. Mm-hmm. Um, L Sapel with an X. So like uh, like the French, El Sapel, her name is. Elsa Pell with an X. Okay, and I will um, put that in the show notes and I'll share it, you know, when I promote the episode on Instagram, I'll, that way everybody knows exactly where to go. But, um, and you post pretty frequently um, in your stories and on your feed. So a lot of really great information. So I definitely would suggest following Elle for more mental health information. Um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm also only on Instagram. Um, I guess to be a lot managing all of these, like Facebook, Twitter, like all of the, the socials. Um, a full time job, isn't it? It is. It really is. Um, but I am on Instagram at the Poly Pocket, um, and I post a lot about non-monogamy, polyamory, sexuality, and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. And maybe we can do a part two or um, yeah, let's, let's continue the chat on Instagram. Uh, Are you open for um, DMs from followers? Like if they have questions about mental health? My DMs are a safe space, 100%. Okay, perfect. So if anybody has questions about whatever we talked about, um, you can reach, reach out to Elle or reach out to myself on Instagram. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. I know it was a little bit longer than my usual episodes, but we had to get all of this great information in. I'm really grateful again to have Elle on. Um, I will, like I said, put her link in the show notes. You can find me on Instagram at the Polly Pocket. Um, and then I have also created an exclusive site. Also will be linked in the um, show notes for this episode. And lastly, you can support the show by submitting a reoccurring or a one-time donation using, again, um, the link in the show notes. I really appreciate your support. You can also always support me for free by downloading your episodes, uh, subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or leaving me a review. I appreciate the support, the love, the feedback. Thank you again. I will talk to you next week. You can find me here every Thursday with new episodes. Really making up, yeah.